Hello and welcome to the Bucket List Board Gamers podcast, the podcast where board gamers come together to talk about board games. My name is Jay and I'll be your host for this episode and joining me today we have got the event coordinator Drew Leonard. Hello. The ticket tout Nick Welford. <laughs> Muchas gracias. And the merchandise maestro Craig Smith. Hi, long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> so today we are talking about UKG because it finished a couple of days ago now. We've all had a little bit of time to get some sleep and recover. Nick's been rustling his bag of goodies already before we even started recording, so I know he's he's got quite a few things. And we're basically just going to talk about what we did, what we enjoyed, if there's anything we didn't particularly like about it. I'm sure we can mention that as well. But yeah, did everybody have a good good weekend? Yeah, really good, really good. Yarp. Absolutely, yeah. Feel a bit like a hangover, like a board game hangover, if there is such a thing. Like I, yesterday, I regretted not booking yesterday off. I felt a bit rotten yesterday. Just two days of just listening to rules about games and playing games. And <laughs> yeah, it's quite an intensive little weekend, isn't it? Yeah, I was exhausted yesterday. Yeah. We did the full Thursday press event to Sunday. I think we we stopped for maybe a few hours. I unfortunately decided to go and watch the FA Cup final on the Saturday afternoon, which didn't end <laughs> well for me. But I did go and do that. And to be honest, Saturday was getting a bit much for me. I was I was glad to be out of there by Saturday afternoon because it was just the busiest I've ever seen it. I mean, I've been for, for three years now, so I'm not exactly a veteran. But the Saturday was almost unbearable. It was like you couldn't get to anything. You were cramped up. There were people just in your way constantly. And, and it, for all the lovely people that go to UKGE, there are some people that just have zero spatial awareness and will just <laughs> slam the brakes on directly in front of you or swing a bag around <laughs> and catch something in the face. And it was just, we got to the point where we we're like, we need to go and get some food. Let's just dip out, go back to the hotel. We got some food. And then I was like, I, I'm not that bothered about going back in. I've done everything I wanted to do for the day and we've got all tomorrow. So we we ducked out and then we met up with Drew and a few other people at the hotel sort of post six o'clock and, and had a good long gaming night so it was yeah it, i sort of needed those few hours to recharge i think because otherwise you, you don't realize but it's like 10 hours a day on the full days and you just don't really long move. Days well. like you're in the same place for 10 hours on your feet and it flies by but then afterwards you sort of like wow have i just done that length of shift in in there it's longer than i do at work <laughs> and i think the uk games expo is a slightly different vibe from aircon because at aircon if you find yourself being like overwhelmed with the actual like expo you can just go for a walk into harrogate and you can go and get yourself mm. some lunch and stuff like that because the nac is quite isolated there isn't really anywhere that you can go other than somewhere else which is busy so like i went to the hilton at about lunchtime on the saturday for the exactly the same reason that you've just said and the room that we found was really really quiet at about 12 o'clock but then by about two half past two it was just so busy in there and i was like right it'd be quite nice to go somewhere that isn't busy but there just wasn't anywhere <laughs> no such animal yeah saturday was hugely busy hugely busy like i, I don't, did i go last year yeah i did go last year but that felt like the busiest i've ever seen it but I didn't have the Friday for comparison either. So we we just came up on the Saturday. I was dragging my son around. I know my arms <laughs> and my legs all ached like last two days, but that might have been the tantric stretching I was doing in the air tunnel <laughs> at Bear Grylls the day later. 
Oh yeah, of course. So yeah, it, it's right next to the Bear Grylls experience for anyone yeah, who's never yeah. been. And is that did the, is that where you did the uh, the skydiving thing? Indoor skydiving, yeah, yeah. I didn't know if they did it in there or not because there's a big sign that looks like somebody skydiving on the outside, but then yeah, it says yeah, Bear Grylls yeah. above it, and I'm like, Bear Grylls doesn't skydive. No. So yeah, wasn't sure on that one, but oh, at least that that might be something we try next year to break it up a bit. Then yeah, they do all sorts. You can go diving with sharks oh. if you want. Throw some axes. That's, that's one way to get out of the way of everyone. Then just yeah. throw axes at the sharks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they move slowly because it's through the water, so the shark <laughs> does still have the upper hand, and a shark will only attack you when you're wet. So there is that. I feel like that must be one of the only things there isn't a board game about. Nobody's done throwing <laughs> axes at sharks yet. <laughs> yeah. Give it a chance. Yeah. Now they've yeah. heard this. Won't be long writing that one down. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was good. It, it's good when it's busy, I think. It's it's not a bad thing. It was just for me, it was after a full Friday where it was again really busy this this year on the Friday, even with all the train strikes and everything. The whole it was rammed on a Friday, like you, you expect it to be a little bit quieter, but I don't know if was Friday still school holidays for some areas. Yeah. So it makes sense that there were probably families coming up with kids on the Friday to try and avoid the crush on Saturday. Mm. Uh, but yeah, Saturday just got a bit much. And then Sunday seemed like quite quiet compared to, to previous years. So I don't know if everyone had just thought, let's get it out of the way on the Saturday and do it, do as much as we can then. But yeah, Sunday was a bit more relaxed. It was still busy, but it was you could freely move around things and actually look at stuff and there were some tables we still couldn't get demos on we wanted to demo on lucky duck the uh, i forget the name of it the one with the octopus that's that's been on kickstarter recently which i have back so i shouldn't know the name of it but they, the they got a, yeah they got a demo copy of it Not i'll find the Kingdom name of Rush. it no no it's uh it's i'm sure it's got octopus in the name of it so you're gonna say their new one of the which was is god something isn't it mm, yeah uh it is called cosmoctopus so it's about a space octopus. So I think it's like a an engine builder type thing where you're generating like Lovecraftian tentacles to take over people. So okay, uh, I backed it a while back because it came with an octopus plush. That was my main uh, main <laughs> reasoning behind it. That's all I needed. So you uh, like goodly yeah. toys? This is what we're getting. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, I got the Flamecraft dragons, so I needed an octopus Binding to go in between them. Binding of Isaac, yeah, I bought one of those this yeah. time because last year they weren't selling them and I was I tried to blag one last year and they weren't having that and then this year they were bins full of them for sale. So I don't like to claim that I influenced that, but I was the <laughs> one that was trying to buy it and then suddenly they started selling loads of them. So. But yeah, uh, is there anything anyone played in particular that they really enjoyed that they're, they're definitely going to purchase or have purchased? I played Falbara. Falbara from... Um... Hachette board games. So uh, that is like Libertalia Light, I would say. Whereas, so you all have the same 12 cards, shuffle them up, you get five, and they've all got a number on. And the earlier the number is, the more that you get to choose a land card first, and you're trying to collect the lands in certain ways. As soon as you get the land card, it will score for you there and then. Um, and once everyone's got nine land cards, it's over. But there's some, there's a really nice way it resolves the. Uh, if two people play the same number, the back of the land cards all have a kind of different order on of the different five different colours. 
So it's like really quick. It's um, so I love Libertalia, and there's much more variety in Libertalia. But I can throw it. Val Valbara was in a really small box. It's one of those like Studio H boxes, like um, Ori Flam is in. Yeah. Um, so it's just throw it in a bag, and I can have that same kind of Libertalia experience, albeit with a little bit less variety, but quicker. And um, it's a bit nicer as well. There are some mean ones, but not very many. <laughs> um, often you're giving other people stuff by you, you doing something as well. So uh, so that was quite neat. And I also picked up the uh, one of the other sellouts of the convention after us. I managed to get a hold of that um, through mm. Secret Ways from Hal Hatchet um, and Fanboy3. Uh, and I uh, played that solo on the... Sunday morning in my hotel room while my son was playing video games and then I played it two player and that's really neat because it's one to six players but it's almost entirely simultaneous so each round you have three phases and I was like how can I do simultaneous with a deck building game but the reason is when you're buying new cards for your deck you're buying them by type you don't see what's on the front and at first I was like well that's you want to see what's on the front you want to see what you're getting uh however because each card has up to, it has three rows, which might have a, a completed box or half a box on, and then you're lining up the cards with other cards, kind of it would just be information overload to try and choose which ones you specifically want. So you just choose them by type and um, the, uh, I can't remember all the different types, but the big gorillas, they generate rage, which is the way you thin your deck. The blue ones give you points. The orange ones give you energy, which can be used for some game-breaking powers. And then the chimpanzees just let you repeat one of your boxes. So actually, there's quite a lot of flexibility in it. And it would play in the same amount of time, no matter if you play two or six players. <laughs> so that was quite <laughs> neat, because you're all you all just play out your four cards, you line them up, you take, you take your resources from the top row. Second row, generally, you're spending resources for points. And third row is generally what that, uh, ape or primate special is so getting you batteries or um, or more resources or points and it's just the race to 80 and it was uh yeah I was, I was really impressed with it a long term i wonder about whether there's it needs like an expansion to throw in a few more effects but i felt feel like i could teach it to anyone um and uh you know it plays pr- pretty quick the, the most difficulty i have was running the solo box it's quite different to another player and usually you're just like bang, 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 but that makes it more turn-based. So ironically, I think the solo actually takes longer than a two-player or six-player game because you're having to stop and run two players, yeah. whereas the rest of the time you're just, everyone's running at the same time. So they were good, yeah, really good. Nice one. I think the big one for me was Lorcana, which I know is mm. split split opinion on that one, uh, but... With it being Disney and Ravensburger, I was like, well, we've got to give it a go. So we didn't go on the Friday, which we probably should have done because it was a lot quieter on the Friday. And then we we sort of spoke to some some people who we spoke to on Ravensburger before and like, oh, we've we've got pin badges to give away, but we've not really got any left for the Friday. But if you come back tomorrow, we, we'll have more. So we we headed for that pretty much straight away on on saturday as soon as we got in ended up in a queue that would, took us an hour and 10 minutes to get a demo and then it was a 10 minute demo so you it was a little bit rushed although to be fair to them they explained it brilliantly they talked you through all the rules and the the law behind why 
certain cards have to wait to be played and all that kind of thing. Got a good flavour of it, got to see quite a lot of the deck because all the artwork is brand new. So they've not screenshotted any Disney films or done anything like that. Every piece of artwork in that game has been hand-drawn specifically to be in that game. Uh, So it's like the biggest release of Disney artwork ever in one go, which they were pretty proud of and rightly so. so. And some of it is fantastic when you look at the cards. So we went and played that. We went and played again later in the day when the queue was smaller, so that only took us about 15 minutes. And then we wanted to play it again with a friend on Sunday morning, so we went back again, played a third game of it, just to just to see all the artwork more than anything. I mean, the, the third time, I literally just went through the whole deck looking at all the cards rather than playing it. I was like, I want to see everything. <laughs> so that was a big one, and I think, yeah, they, they literally never stopped demoing it from the start of Friday to the end of Sunday. Every table was full constantly which is like amazing you couldn't believe that that's how popular it would be but it's going to be a big one isn't it when you've got that license on on a trading card game and the scope to expand it i mean this they're calling this the first chapter so they're obviously planning on making it bigger but then you've got they're obviously going to do a star wars set aren't they at some point and then they'll probably do film specific sets and and it's just going to grow and grow and be turned into this absolute monster have they got the uh star wars uh, trading card game announced by Final fantasy flight as well and you've got star uh, star wars unlimited okay so in, um and that's all unique artwork so that's come in um quite soon as well and that one so rather than i didn't i don't know much about lacana other than what i've heard but you play your turn you play quite you do a few actions don't you whereas the star wars one is you do one i do one you do one i do one you do one like kind of back and forth um they did have the obviously they had the the destiny stuff which is actually dead now with the dice and whatever Mm. um but um yeah i know um that has been announced, and that the, the the rule book has been leaked, and I read that <laughs> online. <laughs> Seems quite neat. You can have land and space battles either side of your card, your kind of player card base. Ah, so that's quite cool. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, the Lorcana thing is so straightforward. Like, there's there's almost like when you first sit down and you play it, it was almost like well, there's nothing to this. But then the more the second game we played. I completely tra- changed my strategy and I absolutely hammered the person that was sat opposite me. So, like, there are ways straight away you can see if you know what all the cards do and, like, you've put your deck together well, you can be quite competitive with it. And from what I understand from some of the other people playing on the same table as us, it's pretty much Magic the Gathering, but with Disney characters slapped on it. So the the way you play the cards and the fact that, they get essentially what is summoning sickness, but they've not called it that. And all that kind of thing plays the same as magic. So it's basically that you're inking these cards into life with your magic ink well, and you can't play them when they're not dry. So that's why you have to wait another turn for the card to dry before you can use it and stuff like that. So they've come up with all the... They've basically taken magic and rewritten it. You can't play anything when it's wet. (laughs) Oh, dear. I wondered how long it would take. 16 minutes. 16 minutes of Nick on a podcast. I was talking about the sharks at Bear Grylls again. (laughs) What are you talking about? (laughs) So, yeah, that was a good one for me. I enjoyed that, but then I'm suckered in by trading cards and Disney and collectibles and the chance to find a card that might potentially be worth thousands of pounds in a few years. So (laughs) that's why that one appeals to me more more than maybe some other stuff. 
All you've got to do is spend thousands of pounds on it. Well, yeah, that's that, that's the flip side of it, isn't it? To be fair, though, it's not overly expensive for a, a trading card game. The the starter decks are seventeen ninety nine for sixty cards, and it's obviously it's always the same sixty cards, but you get one booster pack in that as well. I think so. That it's not particularly expensive, and then I think the booster packs are about a fiver, which seems on par with Pokemon, Yu Gi Oh kind of things these days. Mm. So I don't think they've really gone in and gone, oh well, it's Disney and people are going to buy it regardless, so we'll price it stupidly high. There are little bits and add-ons that you can buy that that are a bit more expensive, but even then, I think there's like a Illumineers Trove or something that comes with X amount of booster packs and some tokens and and some special stuff. And even that, you get like, I think it's 50 quid and you get 45 quid's worth of booster packs before you even look at what else comes in it. So they've not really been too cutthroat with the pricing. Whether that'll change as it goes on, I don't know, once it's got people hooked. To me, it seemed pretty good. And I think it's going to, parents are going to hate it, I think is the problem. But as I'm not a parent, I just enjoy it. And I'm quite happy to, to spend all my money on it when it comes out. So yeah, Craig. Was there anything you particularly enjoyed while you were there? Uh, so one of the games that I did try, which has got an upcoming Kickstarter campaign, is a game called Meteor Heroes. So Meteor spell M-E-T-E-O-R. And it's basically a game where each person plays as a wannabe superhero who has to go around the board trying to stop these crimes from happening or stopping these crises from happening or going to these events and trying to resolve them. And then the other part of the game is that what you're trying to do is you're trying to earn fame. So it's kind of like you want to be a superhero, but only some of the time. So it's kind of like you're going around the board, but then sometimes you might land on a crisis and you're like, oh, I can't be bothered dealing with that. So I'm just going to go on to the next one and stuff like that. So it is quite it was quite a funny game in that sense. The artwork was really good on it particularly on the card publisher is never yellow games and uh the guy that that taught us how to play adams he's also he's the designer and he's the the kind of done all the artwork for it so really talented person and really looking forward to that coming out um that was probably the one game where i went away and thought actually do you know what i really am looking forward to that coming out on kickstarter and because i'm not a massive kickstarter backer um, yeah. but yeah, as soon as that one comes out, I am back in it all the way. It was really, and you can even send, there's like a little police car that you can send around the board to try and capture the opposition heroes to try and take some of their fame off them. So oh. it is just really, really good fun. Really enjoyed playing that. Is that pre Kickstarter at the minute then? Has, have they got like a holding page up? So they have speak? got a holding page. Yeah, they have got a holding page up at the moment. Um, I think what they're wanting is to wait for enough interest to develop before going live with it, which yeah seems like a really Makes safe sense, option, yeah. obviously. Yeah, 100%. So, but yeah, I kind of would speak really highly of it. It was really good, really enjoyed it. So hopefully it'll come out on Kickstarter soon. We'll put the link to the pre-Kickstarter page in the description on the episode if, if you want to check that one out, anyone. So speaking of Kickstarter, just before I come on to you, Drew, and see what you enjoyed, uh, one of the people we spoke to was WFG, uh, who have come up with a game called Vault. So quite a, a straightforward game, but quite a lot of um, strategy to it. So essentially there are three codes on the table, and each card has 
consecutive numbers on it. So the first card will have one, two, the next one will have three, four, five, six, etc. And then each player gets given their own specific set of codes and it's their job to manipulate the three codes on the board to match what is on their card so they have actions such as flipping the cards moving the cards around reversing all the cards so there's there's all these kind of things and they can also lock certain cards in place so that other people can't tamper with them if if they're in the perfect place for them and the aim is to get the three combinations to match your card and then I think there's a slight we've not had a chance to play it but I think there's a slight after game to it where you need to lock in the middle row as well with these other these other cards so it's it's one of those that it looks dead simple to pick it up then when you start actually playing it we watched it about three quarters of a demo there's loads of strategy to it and and one of the the people that were playing it was a, a primary school teacher a maths teacher and he was like thinking like five moves ahead of everyone else so he flipped all the cards into a position that when he played a card that flipped every single card it changed them all to his combination. And I was like, I couldn't do that. Like, I think one, maybe two moves ahead. There's no chance I could I could do what he did. But yeah, we, we've been very graciously given a copy of it to play, which we will review in a future episode. Uh, but it's currently live on Kickstarter now. So as of recording this, I think it's got about 27 days left. So if you are interested, if that sounds down your alley and you're interested in backing it again link in the description of this of this episode if you want to go and check it out and then yeah at some point we will be doing an episode on that as well so fun little one i think the the guy who we were talking to who came up with it said that he sort of plays to to a couple of rules so he always tries to make the the, the box big enough to fit in a backpack so that his kids can take it with them he also he always tries to make it 60 to 90 seconds to pick up the basic rules and so he's very much gearing it for kids at school but then also there's enough strategy in it that that anyone can play it and get something out of it so i'm quite excited to have a look at that one so coming back to favorites drew was there anything you particularly enjoyed or conversely you didn't enjoy at all yeah so i uh we were talking before we started recording about blood on the clock tower uh which i bought a while ago and have had limited chance to actually uh pick up and play because it's such a, a big beefy thing to, to get out uh, but yeah they had a stall at UKG this year and they were firing off games once an hour uh, and they were in high demand as well like we managed to lock in and get a game on the first day and then we went back like first thing on the Saturday and they were all booked up <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah so that was good fun uh, got a few games of that in uh, and played a sort of completely at the other end of the scale uh, a game called Astra uh, which is a little kind of uh, not not roll them right as such because you don't roll anything but like um kind of again about constellations and you have to like uh, link up stars on on these little cards that you get and com- complete the constellation then you get the card and the card has some power that you can use later on yeah yeah and it's like a nice little uh, kind of light family puzzle kind of a game which was uh, quite relaxing uh, given how hectic the rest of the convention was it's gonna say that's exactly what you need isn't it sometimes just to sit down take a load off and, and play something dead straightforward that's still quite fun yeah that's it yeah. uh was there anything anyone didn't like did, did anyone i mean not to be negative but was there anything anyone played that they thought they would enjoy and then actually wasn't the experience they thought it was going to be i mean if everyone says no that's brilliant for uh for all the people <laughs> that were there <laughs> i think the only thing yeah i didn't enjoy was already said like how busy it was which isn't a negative for the event it was just for me it just got a bit 
a bit much in in places when you physically couldn't get stuff you wanted to look at. But yeah, other than that, no, had a had a fantastic weekend. I forgot to mention uh, Rome in a day. That was brilliant. That's brilliant in the game as well. I saw a lot of people playing that. I just played lots of doozies. <laughs> give <laughs> give us a little rundown of that one then. Uh, so Rome in a day is fairly not not like a between. It's a little bit bigger than the other box I was describing earlier, which is great for a podcast. Uh, but smaller than like a, uh, <laughs> you know the TMG you know size that boxes. size box yeah, you know the TMG size boxes <laughs> them size boxes small a bit smaller than that and it's an ice split you choose game which I love as a mechanism but don't see used a lot and it's got a really simple scoring method so you all have a pile of twenty tiles um, which will be one of I think six types of terrain or it might even be. Four, I can't remember. I'm trying to remember building types there are. And you all have a card on which has four rows, which is how many rounds there are. And you place two wooden buildings as dictated by the card, and they're all different. Um, and then you draw your first five tiles, and on the first two, you put the two buildings from that round. And then you put them behind a the screen so everyone sees you do that, so they know where your buildings have gone. And then you put them behind the screen, and you just make two groups. There could be five in one group and none in the other. And there could be one, two, three, you know, you just, the, the, the total is five, but you can split it however you want. The smallest group must have one of your crystals in it. And then you all reveal, and depending which round it is, you're either taking one of the piles from the person on your left or your person on your right. And you just do that by playing a card that says, I want the big pile or the small pile. And then you start building Rome. And all you have to do to score is have the colour of building has to be adjacent to or on the same colour. And then it scores for however many, however big that patch of colour is. So ideally, you want to get five white buildings touching five, the same five white hexes, essentially. They've all got proper names, but the theme isn't really there. Um, <laughs> And then that's like 25 points because you've got five touching five. And also the person, if you get a lot of the crystals, if you manage to take the small pile a lot, you get points like kind of on an exponential scale from that. And that's it. And it plays in about 15 minutes. But it's really, really cool. Uh, the mechanism works well. And um, with two players, it's quite interesting because you're taking one pile from them, but they're also directly taking one from you. It's not spread out as much. So you get a chance to kind of look and think, well, I'm going to get a big green pile. I, I might take a big, you know, someone might put the two buildings as a small set and just give you the terrain and you don't have that color building. So you're like, well, I want to take the buildings really. Um, and then you could do a bit more kind of hate drafting as well. <laughs> <laughs> Played with my girlfriend the other night and she uh, demanded that she got to change the piles around because she didn't think I'd take the small one. I was like, well, I'm not letting you get that. It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, again, just a great, great little game. And um, got it, that sold out as well because it got a bit, it got a Dice Tower seal of excellence, but just before the show, which is why I was looking out for it. And that was on the Alley Cat stand. I think they're publishing, they've got the rights to publish it over here. But yeah, I highly recommend it. It's like, um, I think it was only around 23 quid. Um, and that's one that, I will use a lot for all types of groups, like new and it's easy to explain. You're done in 15 minutes, and likely people are going to go, "Oh, let's do that again," because you know they get that and they want to. And and it's just a great mechanic where you're splitting something, and you you really have to think which one do I want, and how do I make the other one more tempting to the other person so I get the one I want. 
and then invariably you do that incorrectly and they uh they take the one you want sounds like a good one i have to keep my eye out for that one um definitely it's strange isn't it that like we've all mentioned games that each other haven't really seen just a testament to how big that event actually is that like i thought i'd seen pretty much everything but nothing so far apart from blood on the clock tower that's been mentioned i even spotted while we were there so it's just mad that there's that many and you just i don't know Mm. what 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 draws you guys in personally for me it's usually the artwork if it's got good artwork i'll be more likely to go and look at what it is and and try and fathom it out don't know if that's the same for you yeah i'm i'm drawn to aesthetics like mechanisms have to work for me as well but i i am a bit of a sucker for a a good looking game i have to say i think nick just plays anything he can get his hands on to be fair Mm. uh impression other people's impressions if it's got some good buzz from people i trust um i'm not so like as long as it's not dogger like looks don't bother me so much. <laughs> um, I would be more on the as long as it's got kind of a usable graphic design. That's more important to me than 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 looks. I like to have, I like to have a big like at the one of the clubs I go to here. They're always saying that the guys are always saying, "Oh, you always bring ones that look like look good on a table." Like up the unicorn fever with the big unicorns, and I've got wandering towers where it's they're very much a three D element. So that would draw me in as well. And I am a sucker for dexterity, uh, even though my lad beats me at all of them. It's ridiculous <laughs> of them. Never seen someone with such a consistent flicking ability. It's unreal. See, I picked up Men at Work from uh, oh, Aircon, yeah. and I have since learned I have no dexterity whatsoever. <laughs> like, even just looking at it, my hands start shaking, and I'm like, I'm terrible at this. But it's still fun, but like, I guarantee I will lose that game 10 times out of 10, no matter who I'm playing against. Like I could play against a robot arm and it'd still beat me because like I can't even see what it's doing because I just my hands start trembling as soon as I know I've got to place a piece and then it's just game over from that point. Yeah, I was going to um, say a robot arm might be quite steady actually. So yeah, yeah, that, that'd be yeah good I did realise after I'd, after I'd said that, but then so that's why I clarified a robot arm that you, can't you, see. You what need it's to doing. work on those analogies there, Jay, for the next episode. All right, then a, a ninety <laughs> a ninety year old with with the not too steady arms. Would still beat me if you prefer that to the robot. <laughs> this is in danger of getting worse than my wet comment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying nothing. I've uh, I've dug myself a deep enough hole there. I'm going to quickly move on to Drew with your shaky ask... arms <laughs> 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 and uh, ask what draws him into to buying a game first. Uh, yeah, a lot of the time the artwork as well. But yeah, also like I'm I'm fairly into kind of strategy type games so i'm looking for that really which i guess you don't really always get from the box so i just sort of hmm. sit down and have a look at what it's about yeah sort of hung around the uh the war of the ring card game table hmm. for a bit on the the saturday hoping to get a demo and the the, the people that were there already they're saying oh we'll have we'll have one more round and then we'll go do something else so <laughs> okay well we'll wait then we'll uh, we'll see if we can get in after you and then like it was a good 10 or 15 minutes we were stood there ah, <laughs> waiting for this longest round ever i think the one thing i didn't have this year which i've had in like other conventions gone by is that game that you get taught by somebody like whether it be in the game and all whether it be in like the in like the expo itself that game where you kind of like right i need to go and find this one 
immediately. I didn't have a game that really did that for me. So like last year at Expo, somebody taught me how to play Scout on the Sunday. And I literally just went straight back into the Expo, picked myself up like one of the last copies there. Mm. Uh, Aircon this year, uh, somebody taught me how to play in the footsteps of Darwin. And I literally just went straight around to the Traveling Man store, got myself a copy. Whereas this year, I played some really good games. I mean, the, but there wasn't one that was kind of, I need to... I need to go and get this like at the and play it again at the first available opportunity. Um, I mean, the one game that I did enjoy mainly because I won, uh, was when (laughs) me and me, Nick and a couple of other people played uh, thunder rod vendetta really enjoyed that, that yeah. And like I say, helped by the fact that I did win. So (laughs) maximum Chrome edition. Yeah. Maximum Chrome edition. And I basically, it was a game where <laughs> I just kind of hung, hung around at the back waiting for stuff to happen. So basically just waiting for everybody to take each other out, and they did. So I won, and I was like, <laughs> well done me, pat on the back. It was funny, that. Yeah, very. <laughs> Got the strategy down for that one, then. If we're, yeah, I don't think I, that's anymore. the thing, though. I don't think I'd get away with it a second time somehow. <laughs> no, it was, uh, it was absolute carnage at the start as well with the five players. Apparently you could play at six with that with that as well, but I thought Not five imagine. was kind of like even on that first tile because everyone, so the normal players, there's four kind of standard players. They have three vehicles each, a large, a small, and a, a medium, obviously. A large and a small and a not-so-that-size. <laughs> um, and um, they all take up one space, and then they you have a helicopter that you can bring in, and it's done, you roll your dice. It's essentially a roll and move in many ways because you roll four dice, you're assigning three of them to your vehicles, which will then move, and you do that one at a time, and then one of the dice gets assigned to your command module, which in a base game repairs, lets you drift, which means normally when you go into a space, you have to resolve a slam. Drifting lets you avoid that slam the first time you go in. One gives you nitro, and one brings your helicopter on. But because we had uh, two, the expansion in, uh, my lad was the 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 faint, the, oh, what was it, something five, but which is five motorcycles instead of three cars. And uh, they can weave in and out, so they never slam unless they finish in a space. And I had the big rig, which is just one vehicle, but over three spaces, and it kind of like a train, and it takes out all the terrain and stuff. Um, and actually, I thought I would be right at the back kind of chasing everyone because it <laughs> moves slowly, because uh, its dice are, are lower. But because you're moving the same one three times, I was like charging ahead. And then they kind of all realized that um, they needed to take me out with their helicopters with much, uh, much prejudice, which they did. But there was one moment where we bounced, where late uh, one of my lad's um, motorbikes had to resolve a slam on one side of the road and then literally just bounced all the way across, like from slams with other vehicles, because the motorcycles (laughs) normally you get to. you would roll a dice to see which vehicle moves, but the downside of the motorcycles is that they always move in a slam because they're the smallest one. And, yeah, there was vehicles pinging into canyons, being thrown up in front of helicopters. All the while, <laughs> Craig's got his small vehicle at the back. Yeah. Just avoiding, <laughs> just avoiding <laughs> detection. Yeah. And then, there, yeah. then there's a part of the game as well where um, as soon as somebody comes to the end of the the board then the yes. back tile gets taken off and all the vehicles on there so i think there's about six vehicles on that at that point so i feel like 
that had a massive impact on the game as yeah, well. Yeah, there was uh, there was a lot of helicopters which just get returned, but I think yeah. there was a few few cars as well because that's what I was because there's three three boards make the track, and as soon as someone gets off the end, and I was like, right, <laughs> here comes the big rig. <laughs> I was I did have a patch in the middle though, where I was very lucky not to be struck by uh, by a lot of attacks that were going down on me. Um, <laughs> And I, I was uh, trying to use the big rig to kind of block people in because if you get them near the side or an impassable object, then you don't even need to, you know, as soon if they resolve a slam, they've got a chance of, of being instantly eliminated. Uh, the nice thing was the balancing for when you're playing with those uh, expansions or if you just want a more exciting game is the normal players got to draft... Um, powers for each of their cars at the start of the game and then had a driver which gave them unique kind of abilities not nothing wild in terms of i think everyone had they they still get repair they still get the helicopter and most of them still got nitro although they could apply different dice to it uh like someone could apply more nitro um but craig you didn't even use many of your powers did you i'd like... completely forgotten about it <laughs> <laughs> it's even worse than you won <laughs> Well, it was just like, there was one point where one of my drivers got bumped off and I was like, oh, I'd forgotten you could do this. Oh, well, can't anymore, but yeah. <laughs> Outrageous. What game was that, if anyone wants to pick it up? Uh, it's called Thunder Road Vendetta. I backed it on Kickstarter. It's from Restoration Games, so it's based on an old game that I remember. from. A ki- I remember the adverts with the helicopters and stuff. Um, uh, so it's based on on this old game called Thunder Road. It's Thunder Road Vendetta. Um, and it will be there will be a kind of retail version coming shortly, and I believe you'll be able to pick up the big rig and the uh, the the motorbikes as well. They're just uh, the minis in the Kickstarter version were all washed, and because I, I got mm. it all as one, it just all came in the the big box, which wasn't yeah. actually too big really. Like for what it had in it, it was it's it's really well uh, packaged, and there was still things we we didn't play with the roads that had ramps or spaces that set you on fire which the fire <laughs> dice sounds like a right laugh as well because if you're on fire you've got a one in six chance of being eliminated i think a two in six chance of um it going out and a three chances of the fire making you go faster <laughs> so it makes you move but the one thing is when you move you always have to move the maximum amount you can't kind of so often you end up resolving, well, in a five-player game, you end up resolving a slam. Someone said, I think there's two copies going to the, the club I'm going to on Saturday, and someone said, oh, we could try a 10-player. Oh, like, my word. You wouldn't, wouldn't even fit, you wouldn't fit, you'd have to have, yeah. like, one vehicle each, because <laughs> especially the second, was it the second one we had where it went into a two-lane between yeah. the canyon, like Death Canyon. But what, that was one of the things. The big rig could just drive through that and make it all. Uh, but I didn't want to because they were all behind me, so I didn't want to make it wider for them. I thought they'd have more yeah. trouble getting through. <laughs> well, that sounds pretty good. Next time we're we're both in the same area, we'll have to get a game of that. Oh yeah, it yeah, it's uh, it's mad in a good way. So before we we close out with a couple of quick fire questions, there's just a few people that I was going to give a little shout out to that we we met at the expo but we've not had time to fully talk about yet so one of the one of the games that I've been 
fairly well involved in for a few years now is formerly called Amulet of Thryax, but now it is called Cults of Bleakpyre, which has gone through quite a few changes over the past couple of years. And the the end result for me, I, I was sceptical when I spoke to, so the, the guy who's created it is called Tom. He's actually one of the people that, that will be hosting these podcasts going forward. He came up with the game and I played it and I loved it immediately, backed it, everything. He got some feedback from last year's UKG that made him want to tweak a lot of it. So he, he did the risky thing of pulling a Kickstarter when it pretty much funded because he wasn't happy anymore with the game and he wanted to make it better, which I think back then I was begrudging him because I was like, no, I want this game as soon as possible and it's good (laughs) how it is, so just leave it. But as much as it pains me to admit it, the changes that you've made have made it a far superior game than what it used to be. So it's now got like each cult has different powers, so they all play differently, whereas before they all played the same way, uh, which just adds so much more to it immediately. Like, they're only small tweaks, but you can essentially play that game at least five times and have a completely different experience every time now. So I was um, buzzing around his stand for a, a few hours, and he was brushed off his feet doing demos, which was really good to see because he he sort of deserves that for the amount of effort that he's put in. So yeah, there there is a Kickstarter page up for that, a pre pre Kickstarter page. So I'll put the link in for that if anyone wants to check it out. As we've just been talking about artwork drawing people in, the artwork for that is absolutely fantastic. And it's something you see from across the expo room and you just have to go and check out what it is. It just looks that good. So I will put the the page on for that. Little shout out to Mayfly Games as well, who did a game called The Family. Really uh, small form factor box about warring sort of mafia groups. So there's all different, different. Um, so you've got the triads, you've got the mafia, you've got a British gangster group, all battling it out. Really quick, really easy to pick up, but a really fun game. And it comes in a sort of envelope-sized box, so it's really easy to, to take with you. So that's another one. I know he's got a few copies of those left, so if anyone is interested... Just give it a Google. I'm sure you'll be able to buy a copy of that. And he was he was selling those at the expo as well. Um, I think that's it from me. Has anybody else got anyone they'd like to give a little shout out to that they played over the weekend that we've not had full chance to talk about? No, it looks like we've covered it. my list. Hold on. Oh, I got, one. got to play. Uh, got to play a game that I always bring to these conventions, and then people go and buy, and they can only buy it on uh, Amazon.de, <laughs> German Amazon, because it's called. Die fees in seven, like die as in die, but it means the in German. Um, for the benefit of those listeners, Nick, mind stabbing someone. Um, <laughs> and uh, it means the nasty seven. Uh, and it's one of those games where you play a card and you have to say the next uh, number in a sequence. And the sequence goes one seven and back down to one again and repeats. As, but you, And you only have five drink type of cards. Probably the closest thing it is is that taco cat pizza box oh um, yeah yeah disembodied head or whatever it is and so you go one seven but if you play the normal gangster that's fine you just say the next number there's one that you can't speak there's one that you have to mime you have to mumble because he's informing on them and then there's a double mumble and a double number so if the double one comes out i'd say one two if craig were next he'd be skipped and then it would go to you jay and then right and you you would pick up a three because it's as though Craig's had his go, but I just took yeah. it for him. But you might play one that doesn't let you speak, so then it goes around to uh, to Drew, and he'd have to then pick it up at four. 
but then when you get seven, it's back down to six, five, four, three, two, one, one, two, three, and like people always go up to eight. It's hilarious, and without <laughs> fail, whenever I've played it, a it'd be an amazing drinking game because um, when you fail, you take all the cards, and it's just the first person to get rid of them. You're not really counting the wins though, but everyone always orders it afterwards on the on Amazon D, and it does come with English rule book, English rule book. But yeah, it's my it's it was one of the first games that got bought for me when I first started playing games and um, I rediscovered it again recently and I've just taken it everywhere for me. I love it. So D season seven, unknown game. Go get it. Amazon.de, our sponsor for today. There you go. So two, two quick fire questions. Oh, we'll go to Craig first. Biggest purchase at UKG. Biggest purchase was rebuilding Seattle, uh, which is by WizKid games, I believe. Um, which is a tile placement, city building, economic game. Um, so, you know, tick, tick, tick for me immediately. I've actually played it a couple of times last night. Really enjoyed it. So basically the game's themed around the 1889 fire in Seattle. So you're basically rebuilding one of the six districts. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to, you're trying to, like say, you're trying to rebuild certain parts of it. And then you've got landmarks that you might want to add onto it. And then you've got events. But what you want to try and do is you're trying to rebuild it, but you're wanting to try and keep the population as low as possible um, because some of the events get fewer points if the population on your board is high in your region. So it's a really good balancing act of trying to think about, right, I need to reduce my population or I need to improve my amenities or I need to do this or that. And it is just... It is just such good fun. Yeah, really strong recommend that rebuild in Seattle. Nice one. Nick? Uh, it was After Us, which I'd already mentioned, to the uh, eight-building, deck-building, queue-creating engine builder that plays simultaneously. Andrew? Uh, Gloomhaven. I saw it several times throughout the weekend and thought, ah, uh, 80 quid's a bit much. And then I checked online. I was like, oh, wait, no, cheapest you can get it anywhere else. It's like 120. <laughs> 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 Did you have to buy a trolley as well to wheel it home with you? Ah, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, fortunately, because I'd brought blood on the clock tower down with me and given it to a friend to take home with him, I had some space vacated in my suitcase. <laughs> I'm not sure it's that, but God, it was much heavier. <laughs> Mine was Everdell. So somebody recommended that to us. We watched somebody play in the demo of it for about 10 minutes and then found it on on uh, one of the sale stands for what we thought was a fairly reasonable price. So I was like, yeah, go on, we'll get that. We've not really bought anything else. And Which then one I was it in the big box? It is, well, I don't know. It is a big box. I can confirm that, but I don't know <laughs> if it's got room for the expansions in it or not. It doesn't say big box on it, so I assume not. Oh, okay. Doesn't um, say collectors or anything. No, no, it was just the, okay. the standard edition, yeah. But it was still still quite pricey, but we were like, it looks really good and, and we've not really spent anything. And then I proceeded to go and spend about 130 quid pre-ordering Lorcana stuff. So, uh, but it, it was done by that point, wasn't it? So there's nothing else I could do. We'd already bought it. So last question before we uh, put the lid back on this episode. Rating out of 10 for the event as a whole, Craig? Oh, I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it a better 7.5 just because I think Aircon is a little bit more up my street just because I think at Aircon, the focus is more towards playing games, whereas I think at Games Expo, it is more towards buying, selling, promoting. Yeah. Um, 
So for me, I think I'd probably fall at about 7.5 and just on the Saturday. I mean, it was a great day, like, don't get me wrong, because I just sat for 12 hours playing games. But <laughs> that it was kind of more air of necessity because it was just so busy. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'll probably come in at a better 7.5. Nick? Uh, I'm going to go seven. Similar reasons. Uh, I only went Saturday. It was really busy. I had people to meet to drop off my games to, so more me than the event. But also, I was a little bit disappointed with how much open gaming space there was in the convention halls. Obviously, they tried something different this year with the ticketing. You had to go into half of Hall 3 was ticketing, which I do think was good because it used to be that the entranceway to the NEC was like rammed, wasn't it, with people yeah. Just yeah. trying to get their tickets. So that did work really well, but it also had the knock-on effect of there seemed to be more competition space that wasn't being used all the time than there was open gaming in the actual halls. Um, however, when I went across to the Hilton, that was completely, you know, I uh, went across about mid-afternoon, 3 o'clock, there was loads of space then. But then even by the time I left at 6.30, that was um, filling up. I don't know, you stayed great, didn't you, longer? Yeah. So, so for those reasons, like, and the fact that Aircon, there just seems to be so much more open gaming space. space yeah. And at my age and... Um, stage of the hobby. <laughs> that's that's what I need. It's not what I necessarily want. I want to be spending the money. If if uh, you know, but if what I need is to not spend the money, actually play the games I've got and take some along and 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 catch up with people. So yeah, we don't want to use the word veteran, but Nick is a veteran of the board game, and uh... <laughs> that's a polite way to put it. I think, isn't it? Uh, but yeah, I, I know what you mean. A, a kick around, a kick around. They probably lost what. 40, 50 tables worth of space yeah. for where they were doing yeah. the ticketing. Um, and me me and Drew went across to the Hilton Saturday night and you just couldn't move, could you? Mm-hmm. We got there yes, about 7 around. o'clock and we, we we ended up luckily finding a side room that I think was designed for like D&D, but there was a table free in it. So we just went and sat in there and no one really complained. We weren't making too much noise or anything. So we got away with that one. But yeah, there wasn't a table spare. There wasn't a chair spare when we went in. It was just absolute yeah. chaos and we got told off for not wearing our passes even though i don't really know why you sort of need to to walk around a hotel but <laughs> this guy was like you need your passes on in here it's like all right calm down they're in my pocket but yeah that was a bit of a strange one so drew out of 10 uh I, i'd give it an eight i think i think maybe that's just because it was my first expert so like maybe i'm just being impressed by the shiny new thing uh but yeah i thought it was really good uh, I thought it was, although like the food and stuff there was very expensive. I mean, like obviously, you know, as you said earlier, mm-hmm. it's very isolated, so they know you're going to pay it, right? But, um, but yeah, so like Mark against it for that. And uh, I found as well that the website like wasn't that helpful. I found leading up to the event, it seemed like it wasn't long before the weekend, but like a lot of information went up, and before that, it was just kind of yeah. not helpful, and it was really hard to navigate. Which I guess none of which is a problem with the event itself, but like it, the pre-event, yeah, like it, it's a thing to consider if you want to go to the event. Is that you're not going to be able to find out much online beforehand. <laughs> so yeah, but yeah, other than that, really thought it was a great weekend. Yeah, I think I'm somewhere between sort of Craig and Drew. I'd give it probably a seven point seven if we're going to do full-on fractions of of. Of numbers, it was. I enjoyed it. It was a different experience for me this year because I've, I've done the whole gambit now. I've been an exhibitor the first year. I've been a visitor the second year, and then this year was press. So it was. I got three different experiences, um, which you wouldn't think they'd be that different, but actually they were 
they were quite different. This year was definitely the most exhausting, going and sort of saying the same thing to the to like a thousand different people over the weekend and explaining what I was there for and, and why and stuff. So it wasn't as relaxed as last year, but I didn't lose my voice, which I did when I was an exhibitor. So <laughs> I suppose this one was the middle one. But yeah, I'd definitely give it like a 7.5 to an 8. I did enjoy it. I think, as you said, it was a bit crammed on the Saturday, but that's not their fault, really. That's what they want it to be. So you can you can understand it and the atmosphere was up because of how many people were there so and it's great for the exhibitors as well that's what they want isn't it so you can't really complain about that and yeah we've managed to do 54 minutes without anyone moaning about the bring and buy and what a disaster that was so i didn't even bother trying i don't bother (laughs) yeah I'm a veteran, so I don't bother. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw the queue on the Friday and I just walked away. <laughs> I think the uh, the big issue was people checking in games this year, so I, we won't touch on it too much. But yeah, I don't think a lot of people were very happy about how that was managed because we went to the press thing on the Thursday night and they said, oh, it's open till 10 o'clock, come and check your games in at 10 o'clock. And people were turning up at 9 o'clock to join the queue and literally being told to go away because there was no chance they were going to get them checked in in the next hour. And I one guy walked over from the car parks with about 60 games and just got told to take him straight back to his car. So I can see why people weren't happy with it. I was going to say on the Saturday, because on the Friday night, I think they posted on Facebook saying that they weren't accepting any more games on the Bring and Buy. So on the Saturday morning when I arrived, there was a bloke with about three suitcases of games. And I was like, you might want to check Facebook before you carry on there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they'd, they'd run out of space to literally like keep the games and put them out. So, which is harsh to people who'd pre-booked to check them in on the Saturday, because by the time they got there, there wasn't any room for them. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if that's going to get re-looked at for next year, because I think of all the event, that was the only thing I really saw people complaining about. With my veterinary hat on, that's a fault of organisation, not of the volunteers who are running the Bring and Buy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Hundred percent. I know 100%. a lot of the uh, a lot of the. I gets aimed towards them as with any front facing kind of job. <laughs> um, but you know, it's it's to do with planning and, and stuff like that. Um Yeah, definitely. I mean I don't on the day people. Don't know what the solution is, maybe a cap on how many games somebody can check in at once. Because there yeah, were people turning up solution. There were people turning up with a hundred plus games and with the best will in the world, no matter how quick you are at checking them in you're going to take up a good chunk of time checking in 100 games and then when there's somebody at the back of the queue that's got seven or eight that they just want to get rid of yeah, and having to wait two and a half hours to check them in, it's just, I don't know, maybe they put an express lane in like at a supermarket, 10 items or less, you can come straight <laughs> down to the front. But I'm sure they've got, they've got a full year to figure it out. You're just after a trolley dash, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> but the, the other thing is as well is when you've got, Hall 3 and a big chunk of it, like what Nick was saying with the open gaming earlier, a big chunk of it's been left, space has been taken out for ticketing. It's also space that you can't expand the bring and buy out into. Yeah. Because um, it was about the same size as the one at Aircon. And obviously it's catering for so many more people than what Aircon was. I mean, obviously I know Aircon was affected by the weather this year, but it just yeah, catered even to so. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I think if there was any sort of black mark against this year, it was that. But like Nick says, it's not the volunteers that are to blame. The volunteers were fantastic. Everyone we dealt with 
were absolutely brilliant. They, they handled everything exceptionally well, I thought, for the number of people going in. So, yeah, massive respect to them because it's not something I'd want to do, especially as I assume most of them have a massive interest in board gaming and there's this huge thing going on behind them that they're not allowed to get involved in because they yeah. can stand and let people in and stuff. So, yeah, massive amount of respect to them. But, yeah, I think it's probably about time for us to clear out the convention centre and end this episode is there anything else anyone wants to mention before we do no so where can we find you that is the final question craig uh so you can find me on instagram i'm at the midland meeple or one word there you go why are you the midland meeple no i'm clues. the midland there's meeple. no clues to that no <laughs> <laughs> mr welford uh so uh i I'm not very active on YouTube, but Instagram's the main place at the minute. I am hoping to restart YouTube this year, but with some slightly different stuff. Um, but I'm pads and pawns because my that's pawns as in chess pawns. You know, yeah, hit playing <laughs> Got, pieces. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my son came up with that name, and he used to do a bit of streaming, so that's where the control pad come from. See, he came up with the name. Too nice a dad, basically. But Instagram pads and pawns on most of the channels. Just uh, make sure you're spelling it right when you around. Google it. Oh, yeah. When you put it into uh, YouTube, we didn't check this. When you start type pads and into YouTube, you get to uh, all the sanitary towel channels. So. <laughs> <laughs> sanitary towel channels. Yeah, and then I often call it pads and prawns. So it's the, the premium tabletop content for uh, sanitary towels and seafood. <laughs> what a tagline. A niche market right there. Did you say there was a fish market there? <laughs> I said niche market, but fish market works as well. <laughs> Andrew, where can we find you? Uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter at uh, DrewLeonard42. Uh, I'm also newly on Instagram at Crucible underscore games. Uh, you won't find a lot there except me trying to win the £1,000 giveaway at uh, UKG. But, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, at some point, there will be stuff on there if you want to go find me. Perfect. And you can find me by searching for Bucket List Gamers on Facebook or Spotify or anywhere good podcasts or bad podcasts are listened to. <laughs> uh, so until next episode, I think we'll call it a day there. So all that remains for me to say is thank you to Craig, Nick, and Drew, and we'll see you on the next one. Thank you very much. Bye. 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 Bye.